At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. There's so many people telling me your voice has done so much for me and your voice has like meant so much. And I don't think, I'm not trying to be humble. I don't think my voice is like that unique. I'm just a regular person. And I think that that just shows like how many people are looking for somebody to talk to about this because I think a podcast more than anything else feels like you're having a conversation. And I think that like so many people are being helped by this and it's like, let's put more voices out there because there's so many different perspectives on how to live this lifestyle that it's, I think the more the merrier. Hey, it's Monique. I hope all is well. This is episode 72 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I love to share strategies on how to start and keep going with the vegan lifestyle. And I love to, of course, bring on guests to do the same thing. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. And also be sure to follow me on social media. I'm Brown Vegan everywhere. And that includes YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Yeah, I think that's everything. So yes, thanks for tuning in to the show. I'm really excited because I have an episode on podcasting finally. I get this question so much about how to start a podcast. What equipment do I need? How do I make it easy for myself? I'm not tech savvy. I don't have expensive, I don't wanna have to buy expensive equipment. Does it take a long time to set up everything? So I get so many questions about this that I was like, okay, let me get my girl Alyssa to come on the show and we'll both just share our experiences with podcasting to help other people get started. In my opinion, and this is also something that Alyssa agrees with, there just aren't enough vegan podcasts out there. So we want to give you the rundown on how to get started, you know, how to make it super simple so that you don't have to spend a lot of money. We're going to go over equipment, the cost of actually maintaining a podcast, some of the, you know, the expenses that go into it how to edit episodes, how to book guests to come on your show, how to get used to your voice if you're someone who's a little nervous about hearing your voice and that's what's holding you back from getting your show started, Um, how to format your show so that you can make it easy for you to actually put out content on a consistent basis. We dive into a lot, okay? This conversation is actually longer than most of my podcast episodes, I actually met Alyssa because I was on her podcast twice and her show is called Live Planted. So definitely make sure that you check that out on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And I'll be sure to leave all of the links and everything at brownvegan.com under episode 72 so that you can check out Alyssa. Be sure to follow her, listen to her great podcast. The second half of the conversation is all about podcasting, but the first part is about her vegan journey because she's a vegan, right? So I wanted her to share her experiences, how she did a 30-day challenge and decided to become vegan from the challenge, how she was able to ditch dairy, how she handles meal prep, cooking, all of that good stuff. I mean, this episode is (laughs) jam-packed with so much content. I really, really hope you enjoy it. It was a lot of fun putting this together. And I'm just super excited to finally have an episode about podcasting to inspire other vegans to get started. 
So yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into Alyssa's vegan story. I actually started, which is kind of an odd way, my husband was really, really interested in veganism, and he watched a whole bunch of documentaries and read a bunch of books, unbeknownst to me, I didn't even know he was kind of going down this path. We were vegetarians for many years, and he brought it to me and was like, I've done all this research. I think we need to do this and I'm really serious about it. And I was like, you're funny. That's crazy. That's so extreme, whatever. And then he started talking about how much research he had done and what he was finding out. And I was like, all right, all right, all right, whatever. I I kind of didn't want to hear it because I knew in my heart, if I heard it, that it would be very serious to me as well. And so I agreed to do a 30-day challenge is kind of what we had talked back and forth about. He was like, just try it, see if you like it, like start doing this with me because it's much easier if two people in a two-people household do it together. And so I was like, okay, fine, I can do 30 days of anything, like no big deal. I'll just go back to vegetarianism when I'm done with these 30 days. And on that 30 days, I just started researching because I was like, this is like, extreme this is crazy like why wouldn't you eat cheese that's the cows are still living and I started finding out what's happening to the animals I started finding out what's happening to our planet what's happening to our bodies and I was like oh this is why people continue to live this way and I actually ended up loving it like we started cooking all the time And after 30 days, I was like, I'm going to do another 30 days. And then here I am almost six years later, (laughs) continuing to live like this. Yeah. It's because you were a vegetarian. You thought that it wasn't, you weren't exploiting animals because like you said, the cow was still alive. You were just having Mm -hmm. dairy products. So talk about that. So talk about what you discovered when you did this challenge. So I found out that The cows are actually like humans that they need to be pregnant and have a baby to produce milk because the milk is for their baby. And I thought, like many people think, that it's a dairy cow, so it produces dairy. Like that's its purpose here on Earth. And I didn't recognize that it's actually producing the milk to help its offspring, to grow its family. I just thought, this is for me, this is how I've always lived, and the cow continues to live. Well, no, their baby gets ripped away from them. They are forcefully impregnated. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that I was taking part in this cycle of a mother having to live without her baby and multiple babies because this continues to happen to them throughout their life because their milk dries up. They need to get pregnant again to continue producing milk. And it's just a constant cycle. And it's like, I do not want to participate in someone having their baby ripped away from them. Like, that's... If you think about it from a human perspective, that if that's happening to another woman, that's horrific. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want to participate in that and realize, oh, I am. By having pizza, by having all these things, I'm participating. And I know that's such a big, like, people are like, but cheese, cheese is amazing. I can never give it up. And that was what I thought, too. I was like, how do you have tacos without cheese? Yeah. But once you do it, there's a little trick. If you commit to it and do two to three weeks, I would suggest three weeks of no dairy, like absolutely no dairy, no dairy in processed foods you're eating, nothing, you will stop craving it because you are getting a positive reinforcement because 
the calf is getting a positive reinforcement every time it has the milk so that it wants to come back and feed from the mother. And we're getting that too by having the dairy. And so without the two to three weeks that it takes to get out of your system completely, you will stop craving it and be like, oh, I'm the tacos are fine. My mm-hmm. tacos have many other flavors. They don't need that added on top. Yeah. What did you replace your cheese with with tacos? Or did you just, just skip it all together? You don't even think about it. Yeah, I skipped it all together because unfortunately, five, almost six years ago, there really wasn't many good cheese options. Right. Now, fantastic <laughs> options that are great. But back then, it was kind of like there was Daya, and that was before they reformulated, and it, it wasn't good. Oh it my wasn't gosh. good at all. That was, I think that was my first experience with vegan cheese, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, we are yeah. not doing this. <laughs> yeah, like, no, thank you. <laughs> but you're right. It's come a long way. And I, I don't even think it's because we're vegan, because I know people who I've had them try some of the new vegan options, and they're like, oh, I can do this. This is good. Mm-hmm. This is good. So it's not because we've been doing this for a long time, and, that's, and we're just, like, not used to eating cheese at this point point no it really is has come a long 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 way so that's great so when you were doing your 30-day challenge what or were you and your husband did y'all cook much before this or was it just yeah so that's the thing it's like we were not experienced cooks at all at this time we were I was like 24 25 and we made like the same exact meals with very little flavor over and over again because we just kind of like didn't know what we were doing in the kitchen. We made like barbecue chicken, hamburger helper, like before we went vegetarian. And then when we went vegetarian, we ate like a ton of eggs and just like super, super simple. And so when I did go vegan, I took out tons of vegan cookbooks from the library and was like, okay, what's going on here? Because I don't know where to go and get food. I've got to make my own. And I think my best tip that I did and just unconsciously kind of did this was I picked one cookbook and I cooked out of it for a couple months. I made breakfasts, lunches, dinners, everything from this cookbook. And I really learned how to like spice things. I learned how to use herbs. I used, you know, when to use salt, when you shouldn't use salt, like how to saute, how to do everything. And now I can whip up anything you'd want. But because it was from all the same cookbook, I was kind of learning the skills across the board with similar ingredients, similar cooking style. And it's like, I get very overwhelmed if I'm like on a normal week, I'll plan a menu and I'll be pulling recipes from Pinterest and from a cookbook. And then halfway through the week, I'm like, where did that come from? What am I doing here? So one book allowed me to kind of be like, okay, that apple salad from page 42, got it you know, the page 63, the soba noodle with peanut sauce, like easy. Mm -hmm. And it just allowed you to like develop my skills because I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And it allowed you to focus too, because when you go to Pinterest or somewhere like that, where it's so many different styles there, it's kind of hard to sometimes when you just get, when you're just getting started, determine whether or not a recipe is easy or not. You know, it's kind of hard to say if you're not somebody who cooks a lot. So if you're able to focus in on that one book, and you get accustomed to that author's style, and, and especially if they make it super easy for you, then they'll give you the confidence to build on it. So I think that's a really, really good tip. I would highly, highly suggest the book. I wish this was around when I went vegan. The Colorful Kitchen cookbook. Just like super simple meals, but they're like really flavorful. And there's also stuff you're familiar with in there. So it's not all of a sudden like 
you're making some sort of crazy thing. You're like, what is this? What are, what's arrowroot powder? It's all like regular ingredients and meals that you are already familiar with. And it's she gives you like lots of helpful hints and like substitutions. Like you don't have bell pepper, so use this or whatever it may be. I love I absolutely love that cookbook. Do you think that it's difficult to go from being someone who kind of just eats Chick-fil-A or whatever to vegan overnight? Or do you think that it's more of a process of like we did it, became vegetarians and then we transitioned to veganism? Do you really think it matters or do you think that it may be a little easier to take it baby steps like that? You know, I don't know, because for me, it was much easier because I was already vegetarian. So I was already like, I'm not cooking these things. But other people are like, I went overnight and I've been doing it for 15 years and it's great. So I think it's like based on your personality, because some people are like, I can't even imagine what I would be eating every day if I switched. And other people are like, I have the determination. I'm ready to do it. So I think it it just is like, yeah, it's like, what level are you at? And what commitment level are you at? Because anybody can do it realistically. Yeah, you were, I think we were both the same way when it came to this, because I, when I was a vegetarian, I didn't have any desire to be a vegan. Cause I was like, there's no way I tried it for a few weeks. And I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to do that. It's too much work. (laughs) And then then look at look at us now. So, I mean, yeah, I just think I I don't care how people start as long as they start. I'm kind of like, you. Mm -hmm. I know we're on the same page with that as long as they start. I know you said that you kind of feel like people at this point can. Everybody can pretty much do it if they want to. But Mm -hmm. do you how do you feel about um, someone who is they call themselves like part time vegan or vegan adjacent? Like they're kind of just. A few days a week they eat vegan, but they're not necessarily interested in committing to being vegan as a lifestyle. So how do you feel about that? Do you think it really matters? What what are your views? I think in the end of the day, any action that you are making is a positive action to eliminate animal products from your lifestyle is positive because every time we're choosing it, we're making a difference. It's, it doesn't feel like it. So many people are like, well, if I just don't have animal products this meal, like no one cares. And it does make a difference. It makes a big difference. But I also think like you won't feel the full benefits on your body, on our planet. And and I just know how my body felt before. I thought that like stomach aches and all sorts of bloating and like weird side effects were normal. I was like, oh, this is just like what happens until I lived without it and was like, oh, no, you don't have to live like that. And so if you want to feel the full effects, like give yourself a 30 day challenge, like see if that works for you. See if you can maintain the 30 days and like see if there is other benefits that you didn't realize you didn't have yet. Because if you want to do it, it's, it's fantastic. (laughs) It's really great. Yeah. One of the things I really like about your style is you're all about like meal prepping and keeping things super, super simple so that people can actually do it. Because I think one of the the barriers is that people are really concerned about the fact that, you know, they feel like this is an inconvenience because especially if you're someone who doesn't cook a lot, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. what am I going to eat? And if it's going to require me to be in the kitchen for an hour every night, then I'm not doing this. What tips do you suggest to help save time in the kitchen so that people can, you know, do this a little more effortlessly? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say meal prepping, but honestly, I feel like meal prepping sounds like you're sitting down on a Sunday, you're taking forever, it's like a whole process, and like, yeah, you're prepared later, but you did this whole long process. 
my meal prepping process is like I shared on Instagram the other day, like I called it meal prep and shower because I put everything in like my rice cooker or my Instapot and I took a shower and then it was ready, (laughs) simple as possible. And like anything you can do that's going to make it faster for you. So like, for example, cook your quinoa in the rice cooker, steam some vegetables on top of the rice cooker, cook something in the Instapot, open a can of beans, chop some lettuce, anything you can do to make it as simple as possible, like do that. Like you don't need to be spending hours in there. It's it's not that crazy. It's not that important. And eating simple, you can jazz it up 75,000 different ways. Like you can make different sauces, you can use different dressings, you can have different vegetables on top, you can add avocado, you can add nutritional yeast. Like there's so many different ways where you're like, I'm eating quinoa and beans and lettuce. Like this is boring. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Keep it really simple. So the way that we connected initially is over podcasting. So that's why I wanted you on the show because I know there's plenty of people. I know you get emails and DMs from people like how to start a podcast. How do you do this? How do you do that? And so that's why I was like, okay, let me get Alyssa on here so we can just bounce our experiences off of each other and just share that. That's how we met podcasting. You reached out to me and asked me to be on your show. And that's how we got how we um, blossomed to this point (laughs) to do this. We both believe that more vegans should be podcasters. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about why we feel more vegans should be podcasters. I personally think there's so many different ways to do this lifestyle that everybody has. It's not like if you started a podcast, you'd be talking about the exact same things that both of us are. Ours are a little bit different. And so I think other people have a little bit of a different take, which might relate to a different audience that is also like, oh, I want to do it that way. Can you tell me more about it? And there's so many ways to do this. It's just like there's a million podcasts about working out because people have different takes on it. Do you agree with this? But I feel like sometimes when people start their journey, they find people that are a little more, um, okay, I don't want to say extreme, Extreme. but maybe they're not as practical Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the lifestyle. I think that like pulls people in because you're like, whoa, this is so different. And you think that the lifestyle of vegan is different and it is different, but you think that it's so out there. So like these people who are maybe more extreme, you're like, well, that's the way that you have to do this because this lifestyle could be, you know, so different than what I'm normally doing, but it doesn't have to be. And that's what I think both you and I want to share to people. Mm -hmm. So it's like bringing that down to a practical level. I think it's really important to tell people. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this before, but we feel like there's both like uh, there's place for both of us, like the practical (laughs) vegans, there's place for people that are a little more extreme about it. I mean, but at least there's some variety out there, which is why more people need to have podcasts (laughs) so that people can kind of pick and choose what they want. Yeah. And in your journey, I think for sure, I know me, I don't know about you, but I went to those extreme people right away and was like, what's happening over here? Mm -hmm. And then I came back and like paddled it in and was like, okay, how do I make this work in my day to day life? And then I came to the practical point of view. Yeah, same here. Same here. And you'd be surprised how many comments and emails and stuff I get, which people are so kind. So thank you guys for being kind. But people are so kind and say like, I just searched the word vegan on iTunes, and I found you. And I didn't know that you could be just 
quote, like normal, (laughs) quote, normal about this lifestyle. Like, thank you for not having judgment. So I think people are looking for that sort of point of view, but sometimes they don't know that it's out there. Mm, That's a really, really, really good point, which is why we are doing this episode because we want to, you know, motivate more people to start a vegan journey and a vegan podcast. So that Mm -hmm. is really the point of this episode. So let's say, let's talk about this, Alyssa. Do you consider yourself to be tech savvy? No. Do you? Hell no. (laughs) It's so funny because people think that I am. And it's like, no, you don't understand all of the hours of like failing behind the scenes that happens Mm -hmm. to get something so mundane done. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's uh, yeah. I have watched more YouTube tutorials. I have like phoned a friend. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Once you get it, it's not that difficult. It's just those beginning parts where you're like, what do I need? How do I get this online? How do I get this to other people's ears? Yeah. So I actually found like some videos that really helped me set up everything as far as iTunes and things like that. And I can definitely post that in the uh, show notes for anybody that's interested because it did make a difference being able to go through those videos and having someone you know, you just can't be afraid of the technology. And once you're set up, it really is not much technology that goes into it at all Yeah. after that. It's sure. just, you know, getting everything set up with iTunes. Who do you use to host your episodes? What do you use, SoundCloud or is that yeah. even hosting? That is hosting. Mm-hmm. So they have like a plan that's a unlimited plan, which you have to have if you're a podcast because traditionally SoundCloud is music mm-hmm. and those are, you know, a three-minute musical track and so obviously a podcast is much longer so right away I just got like the the bare minimum because figuring like I don't need that much time and then two podcasts in you're over your allotted Mm -hmm. amount of hosting time so you have to get the unlimited but it's really not that big of a deal just because podcasts are much longer. How much is that, that plan? I think it's like 75 bucks a year or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. It's not too bad. But I use uh, Lipsyn for my okay. hosting. And I pay about, I think, $20, $25 a month. Yeah, basically I get stats and all of that good stuff. So let's talk about any other expenses that are associated with having a podcast. So let's see. What other, anything else is reoccurring? I can't think of anything I do else. my website is reoccurring, just my hosting over there. But I don't know if I can, Well, I do have a, a separate page or a separate like blog for my podcast, but I think I would have been paying for that. I would have been paying for that anyway because I had that already. Yeah. Um, did you, do you notice as far as your content over there that you don't probably write as much because you have the podcast now? And you just post your I've been episodes. trying to do, a, like I just started probably, I don't know, six months ago. I've been trying to do a lot more content per episode so that it's not as much like, well, I heard everything you just said on the blog post in the episode. I wanted it to be more of a like useful tool that's an additional Uh, resource. So I've been writing a lot more content over there and having a lot more links per episode. Like, you know, we talked about this, here's an expansion on that, that didn't fit in the episode, stuff like that. It's actually really hard to do because it's a lot, a lot of info, (laughs) (laughs) but I've been trying to do that with every episode. I used to be really good at that type of stuff. Like, oh, you know, here's some extra information. And these days I don't anymore. I just, I keep it really, really simple. 
I may or may not have a paragraph for, you know, with information about the guests, but I do go over, you know, little bullet mm-hmm. points of what we talked about, a very, very basic overview. I have links to reach the guests and resources that were mentioned. It's super, super basic. So that's the format I have for my blog post, but there's a part of me that wants to go back to the way I used to do it more detailed like you, because I think it's great for SEO. Yes. Sometimes I will just take my notes because I write a lot of, lot of notes per episode. And sometimes I'll just take my notes and be like, okay, I didn't mention this point or I cut this out in editing. And then I'll have that in the blog post just as sort of like a extra substance. Mm. But I also will pull out quotes from the podcast. I haven't done this in a couple of weeks, but I'll pull out quotes and I'll make um, like a phone background or something that you can download from the episode and just have that as also something additional so that people can have that themselves and be reminded of like episode 95 or whatever it is. Mm, okay. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. Oh my gosh. Do we decide there were other reoccurring expenses with having a podcast? No. I think that was it. Yeah. So just hosting your actual episodes. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the equipment. Um, How did you start your podcast? Do you still have the same equipment? Like, has it evolved since then? What, What does it look like for you right now? So I have a Blue Yeti mic, which I bought in the beginning, did a whole bunch of like, again, research, YouTube videos, watching like, what do you need? What's suggested? And it's a mid price point. I think it was like in the $100 range. And it is great. You can do a whole bunch of different functions on it. Like if you have multiple people talking, or if you have one person talking, or if you're sitting next to each other, if you're sitting across from each other, and it just plugs right into your computer. And then I have a on-the-go mic, which I used to use a lot more, but then I really wanted to increase basically like my sound quality. And I find that the on-the-go mic picks up so much, which is awesome because like I've uh, taken it to a veg fest before and captured some sound clips from some speakers talking, which was really awesome. But it also picks up a lot of sound in the room. Mm-hmm. And so it can be a little bit distracting. But it is nice. Like I've got like real reactions in the car after veg fest or whatever. And that's nice just like in the moment kind of stuff. And that's just a zoom mic. And it's just a 100 bucks for on the go stuff. And I know people use those in their YouTube videos and stuff like that, because it really captures like a lot of sound. So that's a, a good thing that you don't have a whole lot of things going yeah. on because people think, okay, if I have a podcast, I have to have, <laughs> you know, a $400 microphone and, you know, I have to have all of this. And you really can't start with much. You can start with nothing. Okay. So mm-hmm. let me tell you my story about how I started my podcast. If somebody probably goes back to like episode one, they can probably hear the story because I am one of those people that I have to just jump because if I don't, yeah. I will never do anything ever because I overanalyze everything. I, oh, my God. It's so bad. So with podcasting, I literally thought about it for about six months before I actually started. And so I had I didn't even back then I didn't even have an iPhone. I had like an iPod with a voice memo on it. And I literally yeah. recorded like the first several episodes with me just talking into the iPod. That was it. Wow. Like, I had nothing when I started. I had, and the crazy thing is, it was so bad, Alyssa. Well, not bad, but it was so crazy that I had to find some YouTube videos to figure out, like, how to transfer the file to my computer, how to edit mm-hmm. everything. I knew nothing. But I thought about it for so long that I had to just start because I was like, I'm never going to start this thing. I'm never. And so I guess my point is, it's okay if your your beginnings are really messy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my, my story right now is still messy. I'm still trying to figure it out. So it's okay to just start before you're ready because 
you're never going to feel ready. You won't. You just for don't. sure. You just have to. And you it. can hear like mine is the exact same way. You can hear if you go back like scattered thoughts and not good audio. And people tell me all the time like, oh, I just found your podcast. Listen to the latest episode. Now I'm going back to episode one. And I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, I whoa! Do. I don't do that. <laughs> That's what it is. You know, it's out there. You can hear the progression. And not that I'm perfect now, but like I would like to improve stuff all the time. Like that's what I'm constantly working on. Like how can I have better sound quality? How can I have more precise information so people can get it in a shorter period of time but feel really informed and entertained? And I don't know. I'm always working on that. That is awesome. And I can tell because I always feel like even when you have your interviews that in the beginning of the show, you always give some extra tidbits about something, you know, you always do some extra research and provide that in your introduction. So what's the format for your show right now? Is it just more so of you doing the research and giving that introduction and then an interview? Like, does it change for you? How does that look? Yeah, I have a couple different formats I switch between to keep it interesting and entertaining. And one of them is the interview. So I'll do an interview in the second half. And then the first half, I will either... Well, usually I'll provide a little bit more information, a little bit more context of like why I wanted to have this person on or something that I think is really valuable that didn't make it into the edited interview. And then I answer listener questions, which is like my favorite thing ever. And then I have another format where I answer listener questions and then I go really in depth into a topic. So like I have a series I started recently called Necessary or Not, and I dive into something that's having its like fad moment or that really seems prominent in today's like media so I did like cleanses and detoxes and I'll tell you all about what's happening to your body all about like why people think these are necessary and are they actually necessary and like what's happening to you and like what's the marketing behind it and really like break it down is it necessary or not stuff like that where I I like to just like get really deep into it but also keep it within a half hour episode so you can listen on your commute why do you feel like it kind of has to be 30 minutes I really I try to keep I try to be loose about it so like anywhere from 20 to like 30 three minutes is my ideal time because I've done longer episodes and I've been more loose with it. Like some weeks it was 45 minutes and some weeks it was a full hour and I get the best response from the 30 minute episodes and people tell me time and time again, it's great because I don't have to get out of my car or get out of like wherever I'm listening and then come back to it. I can just listen to the full episode and then like my commute's over or my workout's done or whatever it is. Yeah, I think for, for for vegan podcasting, it's probably helpful if it's about 30 minutes because people are already o- overwhelmed. And if we mm-hmm. give them two hours of content, maybe that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I think that I should get, um, do you, have you considered getting one of those, uh, what is it called? Uh, something jock, sound jock? No, I don't know that. Uh, you put it's something that you I don't even know. I'll put it in the show notes, but basically it's like this contraption that you put your microphone in so that when you hit your desk or anything noises are going on, it doesn't pick it up. Oh, yeah, I did like a DIY sound box and then I also have a little like DIY platform my microphone sits on. It's not like perfect, but it's pretty good. What is it? What what did you make it out of? 
Okay, so it's like, it's janky. It's a cardboard box with a blanket in it to basically take out all the the room sound. So there's no like echo. There's no, like your voice doesn't sound far away, Mm -hmm. which I saw on a YouTube video. And then on the bottom, I have the blanket down, but then I have like this thick rattan like coaster thing that kind of lifts it off the counter but it isn't a hard surface to sit on it's also like a nice padded surface I mean it's not great looking but (laughs) It it makes your sound quality so 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 much better like if I'm going back I just did a compilation episode and I was pulling in different clips from different episodes and it was like oh, wow, like that's a huge difference from this. And especially because it's flashing back and forth. It was like, oh, that's a big, big difference. Mm. Okay, so now you got me thinking about my sound quality because one of the things that I need to to work on is the sound quality. I notice that sometimes my guests sound better than me and I know that I probably have better equipment than they do. And yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm wearing these headphones and it, and I'm already a loud mouth that it makes me talk a little lower because I'm like, damn, I'm loud. What uh, call recorder do you use? I use Ecamm for Skype. Okay. Which one do you use? I use one that's just called Call Recorder. It's on Skype as well. You have to, I think you, it's like a one-time fee of like $10 or something. Oh, wow. Um, But it does have a few, it's really good in certain things. And then it does have a few things. Like if you talk over each other at all, it will kind of bring one person's voice down. And then it makes it hard to hear what the other person was saying. So it, it you have to be really careful with that. But I found it's really good for just kind of like companion recording. That's yeah. the best I've found. And I also love that with Skype in general. Let's talk about that. That's how we do interviews is mm-hmm. through Skype, which is, I think, really, really handy because most people who even don't even use Skype would have no problem downloading it and logging in and and getting set up. So, and I just feel like Skype at this point is probably the standard for most podcasts Mm -hmm. um, when they have the interview. And it's free if you interview, like I've interviewed someone in New Zealand, I've interviewed someone in Germany and it's free to talk. Whereas other places, you know, they would charge you to talk to somebody in Germany. Right. So what about getting guests? Speaking of guests, um, is it because I know you've had some high profile people on your show. Like, how hard is it for you to secure guests? What do you do? The reason I want to know what your strategy is, is because it's so easy to get so many emails. I know you can relate to this. You get so many emails and most of the stuff you don't have time to respond to or you just you're not interested. So what do you think it is that helps to stand out in people's email when it's like a cold email to get people to come on your show? I mostly just have people on who I'm a really, really big fan of. So I've tried before having like deeper strategies for stuff, but I'm like, I have more questions, more interest. And I feel like people who are listening would be interested in the same thing because they're already listening to my podcast. So they're already like sort of on the same level. So I'm like, I am just honestly, I'm just a fangirl of everybody I have on, which is funny because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm so nervous because I'm truly truly a fan of whoever I'm having on and I and I have so many questions like I've had people before be like that was such a like a random like deep question like you must really watch my stuff or listen to my stuff and I'm like oh I do (laughs) (laughs) 
So mm-hmm. I just try to be genuine because I really am a fan. So in my emails and stuff, I try to just stand out by not having like a super professional. It's not that it's not professional. That's not true. It's professional, but it also shows that like I am genuinely interested. I didn't just Google the word vegan and like find that you were someone in the scene. Like I'm like, this is a great point about you or whatever it may be. I feel the same way. I think it makes for a better conversation and it's just fun. I want to have fun. So I mm-hmm. need to talk to people that I'm interested in. Um, these days, I feel like a lot of my connections come from Instagram. So mm-hmm. that helps. And so we we build like a rapport on Instagram and then I'll email them or DM just depends on how familiar we are with each other and just invite them to be on the show and go from there. And I kind of just want to talk about the idea of hearing your voice because oh, yeah. I used to hate the sound of my voice and I talk really fast, especially when I get excited. I talk really, really fast. So how did you overcome the sound of your voice? Over time, you get used to it. And it's true. Like you go in it and you're just like, is that what I sound like? But when you're editing, you can see the audio um, visually. You can see the audio like lines. And that has helped me immensely because it's helped recognize voice patterns that I have or words that I insert or pauses that I take. And it's almost because I'm a super visual person. It's almost helped me while I'm talking, be able to visualize what it's going to what it's going to look like on the sound pattern. Mm-hmm. And I can correct myself and sort of improve it from there. And that's helped me a lot. But it's just it takes time to be like, that's what my voice sounds like. It's fine. No big deal. Yeah, I think the only way to really get over it is to just record more. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the only way I was able to get over it. I don't even think about it anymore. I just do it. And, it's and like, maybe okay, even if you're like super OCD about it, like you feel really bad about what your voice sounds like, just record for yourself and take that pressure off of being like, this is going to go on the internet. Just record it for yourself and do a bunch of practice of like listening to yourself, how to feel more comfortable. Because I did a bunch of recording where I'm just like, nope, scrap that. Yeah. Let's talk about editing. Haha. <laughs> Does it take Ooh. you forever to edit? How do you, yes. what's your process? I'm actually pretty quick once I get going, but forcing myself to get going is like the worst because I'm just like, oh, you know that you have to sit here and stare at this computer for the next however many hours. Like it really takes a long time. And that's something that I didn't anticipate, like the amount of back you know, logged time that it takes is crazy. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not a perfectionist by any means, but I have these like rules I've set for myself and I will not break them. So I'm just like, that's not how I wanted it to sound. That's not exactly what I wanted to say. And so I'll just like keep going. And that can be an issue sometimes because there's a lot of work in general. And then if you start adding stuff onto your plate, it creates a lot more work. If you're going to go into this, know that there's a lot of back end time that goes into it. The editing makes a huge, huge, huge difference. And that's why we spend so much time doing it because it does make a difference in what you're hearing and how it sounds to you. And like the clip of the voices, it, it can move a lot faster if you take out a whole bunch of pauses or whatever it may be. It just makes it easier for someone to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And so it does make a big difference. And that's why it takes so long. Yes. I'm to the point now, Lissa. It's crazy because I used to be really, really, oh, my gosh, I got to edit this. And it takes I got to take all the arms out. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I don't really feel like that anymore because I really want to get the content out. 
I'll listen twice. I'm listening for the flow and I'm taking out ums that are obvious. So what does your process look like as far as recording episodes? Are you, do you batch process like me where you have like several interviews in one day or do you just wait till the week before? Like, how do you do that? I do. I've done both in the past. Right now I'm just doing sort of fly by the seat of my pants because that's kind of how I work in life. So I have like one episode in advance is usually what I've been doing right now. So like I recorded someone last week and then they'll be on, I'm, I'm editing it today. And so they'll be on next week. Yes. So when do you put your episodes out each week? I put an episode out Tuesday morning at 7am every single Tuesday and um, last week was actually the first, or the week before, was actually the first week that I didn't have an episode in like over a year, a year and a I half, I think. I saw that on Instagram. I meant to text you when I saw that. I was like, whoa, what's going whoa, on there? I know. And I am like super neurotic about having my episode at 7 a.m. Like I'm very serious about that. And then when I made the decision not to do that because I'm redoing my kitchen right now and I just, my whole house is a construction zone. So I didn't have any free time to record that wasn't like banging and drilling I would have had to do it at like 11 p.m and then I would have had no energy and I just felt like it wasn't worth putting something out that was mediocre and it really showed me that like people are responding to the routine of 7 a.m on a Tuesday like a bunch of people were like where is it are you okay oh, is something wow. wrong with you and I was like oh wow okay or like other people emailed me at different times in the week and said I listen to it every Thursday at this time because I'm doing X, Y, and Z on a Thursday. And I was like, oh, okay. And they didn't realize that it wasn't there until that Thursday when they always listen to it. And I was like, that's so interesting. So Yeah, so they build you into a routine like a, a TV show. Mm-hmm. What do you do? It used to be I recorded, I would post an episode whenever I felt like it. So it would be... Once or twice a month, which is not good, we know, for podcasting. Do <laughs> You just prove that you have to show up. <laughs> yep. And now I aim for every Wednesday. It's not perfect, but it's a lot better than it used to be because I it was so easy for me to say, oh, my gosh, I haven't put up an episode in four weeks. Let me get something to go in, you know? And now it's like, okay, this is a part of what I'm going to do. Let me edit. Let me listen to the first, you know, do the first edit. Let me work on the image. You know, some things little small things to get me to where I want to be. But I feel like the hardest part for me lately has been recording the introduction because I never feel like I know what to I want to say (laughs) during the introduction. And so that's the part that I put off into the last minute. And I feel like it always takes so long for me to get that because I never know what I want to say. Like I'm still working on the format of my show. And I think that comes with the fact that I'm just more consistent now. So I'm noticing all of the holes my yeah. my show because I'm doing it now and so yeah I I aim for every Wednesday to put out a new episode let's go ahead and, so, and share some tips first of all I want to say that there are so many amazing benefits to doing a vegan podcast because of course you're sh- sharing veganism and you meet so many amazing people like there's people including you that I would have never probably connected with if it wasn't for podcasting and so it's just an amazing way to connect with other vegans it's an amazing way to put yourself out there in a big way especially if you do it consistently so what tips do you want to share as far as you know getting going 
I would just say, what are your skills? Because maybe you and I both like interviewing people because we like talking to people and figuring out people. But maybe your skills aren't interviewing people. Maybe your skills are something else. So play to your skills. Are you a storyteller? Are you an advice giver? Can you offer something to the audience that is unique to you? Because that's what you're going to be best at because you already have those skills. You can only build them up. That's why I like answering listener questions because I love giving advice. Like that's what <laughs> I'm known for in my friends. Like people are always like, what would you do? Or like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I opened it up to have people ask me questions because I, I really like that format. Yeah. And for me, I love to talk to people. So that's why I do interviews. I just like to get to know people. I don't know. It's just so natural to me. And I talk a lot. So it's just like, why not? I think so- too going along with that is like be unique. So you love to talk to people. That's what you can offer. It's like podcasting is so different than YouTube because you dedicate so much more time to listening. Give some some people something unique that is going to be just for you and your audience. And it doesn't have to be like you're reinventing the wheel, but it's just like what's different about you. And be consistent is the next tip that I was thinking. This yeah. is for me. <laughs> and I feel like I'm so much better so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat myself up because I'm yeah. so much better at least I have a plan and I like try to stick to that plan but um being consistent makes a huge difference like I look for my stats over the last I would say five or six weeks and I was like you gotta be kidding me like look at the yeah. difference in the jump because I'm putting out consistent content so I think that's a huge one I let people like um Alyssa said let it be a part of their routine. Like people are looking for you on Thursday. You need to be there on Thursday. (laughs) And I think too, like study. If you want to become a good interviewer, study other interviewers that you think are doing a good job. If you want to present information, study that information and know exactly what you're talking about and give all the facts, give all the background information. Because if you continue learning, it can only improve. And that's what people want to hear they want to hear like the best information or and and not that you have to be perfect but they want to hear real true information not just like I think that it's like this or you know there's some stat out there like give them the stat give them the information that's really valuable yeah the facts definitely Mm -hmm. definitely tell us about your podcast before we wrap up how we can listen and all that good stuff Sure. Live Planted is a weekly podcast. It comes out every single Tuesday and we talk about being a practical vegan. And it just means that there's no rules to veganism. There's so many different ways to do this. And that's what I try to bring every single week, different perspectives so that you can fit the vegan lifestyle into your lifestyle and make it make sense for you. And just show that there's so many different people doing this. It doesn't have to be one sort of person or one sort of type of way that maybe doesn't work for you. Yes, yes, yes. I'll make sure that I put all of the show notes with your links and everything at brownvegan.com under this episode. Thank you again for being on, sharing your expertise and making this lifestyle so fun and practical for people. Thanks, Monique. It's always so fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes. Also, don't forget to get all of the show notes and resources we mentioned at brownvegan.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. 
by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.